All right, so first I'm going to start talking about why I'm here, and then we'll talk about why you're here. First of all, it's very nice that a family is in trouble and crisis, and parents ask their children and their relatives to come and spend the Matzah Shabbos. It's not easy. Everybody's always busy, so you get a lot of credit, and it shows what kind of a family you have that people respond when you need them. So thank you all for coming. Um, what I do is I give advice and guidance to families that are in crisis. I don't deal with chinuch. I don't deal with anything normal. I don't deal with kids who are going off the derech or kids who are struggling. I really only get involved when there are things happening that are beyond what's regular. And it's, it's, it's a very painful category to be in, where I get to meet hundreds and hundreds of really beautiful mishpachas, wonderful parents, and Zaydis and Babas, who have done nothing wrong. And they're dealing with things that, when we grew up, not that long ago, it didn't exist. I don't think under our chuppah anybody had to think and to even daven these tefillahs, because 30 years ago, 40 years ago, we didn't hear of such things. And today, we're talking about something which is really hitting home, in very large numbers, to the most beautiful Erlich families, wonderful people. Nobody's perfect, but basically, nobody deserves this level of crisis. Um, just today, my daughter was going through her album, and she told me she had a picture with ten girls in it. In that picture, she said four of them are not just off the derech, which is very painful, but not healthy, not emotionally happy, very disturbing where they're at at life and the things that they're doing, they're just mamish. They're not successful in anything. It used to be maybe 50, 60 years ago, somebody went off the derech. He decided to become, you know, to live like a not Jewish person, and he went to college and he went to law school. He was successful, but here we're seeing dysfunction, and that's something that we really didn't grow up with, and it really didn't exist. The level of dysfunction that we're seeing the numbers of people who are depressed and who can't sleep at night and who are hurting themselves and doing bad stuff. And it's very painful to be in this category. One of the biggest mistakes and confusions about this is that most people think, you know, when you, when you grow up in a family and you see a girl or a boy go off the derech, you know, you get annoyed at them, you, you see their bad midos, you see the outside behavior. And most people really miss the picture that there's something on the inside that's really, really broken. And because of that, they really don't get the right advice on how to deal with that person. Just today, there was an article in Ami magazine about a family. It's a heartbreaking article. And I wonder what most people, 99.9% that I always talk about, they're going to look at it one way, and I'm going to look at it with a few other people, people who have eyes. You know, We're going to look at it differently. Basically, the story is a mother, Nebuch, that was diagnosed and, um, you know, she was very, very sick. She was on her deathbed and she begged her son, who was 17 years old, you know, please promise me you'll keep Shabbos, you'll be from. And he couldn't even promise. And the family was angry at him and the, the father tried everything to make him normal and they even tried screaming at him and the whole family got angry at him, the whole family screamed at him. You'll see it, you know, you could, you could read between the lines what, what it must have been like. And of course it didn't work. And uh, he disappeared and he went away to China or India, wherever it was. 
And the end of the story is that the sister who's writing the story, she says she had to go on, on a business trip to Hong Kong um, with her husband, and they went to shul in the Chabad house, and she couldn't believe it. Who did she find over there? This boy wearing a yarmulke, wearing a white shirt, and he's from Kiyu. It's like an amazing ending. And he told her, he said, don't even, if you tell anybody about this, if you tell Tati that I'm from, I'm going to throw it all away. You better not tell a soul. And that was the end of the story. And it's, it's so heartbreaking. First of all, because the reason the family got angry at him was because he wasn't from. But you see, just a few years later, he became from. So imagine if they wouldn't have yelled at him. Imagine if they wouldn't have thrown him away. Instead of being all alone somewhere, it can never get married normal. And he's going to go down a chuppah without a mother, without a father, without family. Uh, his whole life, he's going to be a yasam because they amputated him. And Taki, he made it back somehow. A miracle. But he's never going to have a family. He's not going to... Imagine if they would have had patience. They would have followed what the G'daylum say. What Rav wrote so beautifully. Rav Palm wrote exactly what the Chiyav of the family is. Rav Gershon Edelstein, Rav Steinman, the Satmar Rebbe, Lubavitch. They said what to do. Imagine if they would have done that. And they wouldn't have thought that screaming is the Eitzah. And they would have been Makar of the boy. So even more so, he would have come back even earlier. He would have been part of the family. He would have had a normal life. They would have had a normal sibling that they're all proud of. Like, I'm, I have over 100 kids who I, who I worked with them or the families who are today Shemitah Mitzvahs. The families are so proud. The nachas that the parents have, it, it's off the roof. I mean, it's off the charts. There's no way to imagine such a thing when a kid is suicidal or in psych wards or on drugs and, 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 and out of it, and you look at them a few years later and they're functioning and they're healthy and they become frum and they're part, they want to be part of the family. The nachas that this father deprived himself of of having a from kid, yeah, he'll end up in Gan Eden. That's very good. But he, he didn't get a chance to be a part of the boy's life. He's not going to be... And now the boy's already from. But he's going to be uh, uh, disabled for his whole life. How could you raise kids without grandparents? I mean, it's just... It's unnecessary. Unnecessary. It's very, very painful. Very sad. I feel bad for this kid. He obviously went through what he went through. But to cut him off, to do kares on a child... And they only did it because of his not being from. No. So now he's from. So what did you do it for? And some people who are not familiar will say, oh, it's good they threw him out. You see, it was a happy ending. No. He went off because of pain. He came back because he was able to deal with his pain. But they caused more pain. According to Gershon Edelstein, they're over Lifnei Michel, according to the Pelayoyitz, Lifnei no question that it made the journey harder. And even one Avera more, or it took one extra week, they're over Lifnaiva because they made his life harder. You raising your hand because you have a question? Now let me finish a little bit and then sure, we'll have answer all the questions. So it's like, you know, the statistics of kids who come back when they're when they're thrown away is so low. Hashem could do any miracle, but we have no right to do that. It's like saying we can go to someone who's sick in the hospital, we could pull them out of the hospital, don't treat them. Some percentage will make it, but we're murderers for the ones who don't. Statistically speaking, if we look back at the last 25 years, we see that we've lost tens of thousands of kids. And who came back? Who came back? The ones that had family that didn't give up on them. The ones who had family that didn't look down at them, even though they're doing bad stuff. The ones who didn't chepper them and didn't bother them. And when we do Kirov, they come back much quicker. Almost all the families who came to me, the kids are today from. And I'm not even, I'm not Eshatara. I'm not even here to make them from. I want to keep them alive. I want to make them healthy. 
And then it happens to be that if when you're in the dark years of your life, if the people around you don't abandon you, it's really, it was never a Yiddishkeit problem to begin with. There's always something that's bothering them. And we make it a Yiddishkeit problem when we say, you can't come to the Simcha, how could you dress like that? And we look down at them. And we're, we're, we healthy people could be having a good cheppering session, but for the broken person, we're losing an opportunity to be Makarov and to say, I love you, how's it going, I'm here for you. And it's Mamash losing our opportunity. So what I advise families to do is to be selfish. The Zaira Kaddish that we learned together says that there's no mitzvah that you'll ever do in your life that comes close. No mitzvah that comes close to trying to love through love, like Aaron Akoyin, Oyev Shalom, of Shalom, to love somebody that fell away from Hashem. He says that when you die, you're going to go up to a place that you never could have gotten to with your learning, with your davening. The Zaira Kaddish. He knew what learning was. Zatana, desire. And he said that where you'll go, you're going to go up to the highest 12th level, which you can't get on your own through your own Masim Taivim and your own learning and your own davening. Even more than learning, which is Talmud Taivim and Kulam, you'll go up much higher and they'll say, what is he doing there? So because he tried, he was Mishtadel, doesn't even mean successful. He was Mishtadel, he tried to return a diamond to the crown of it, to Hashem's crown. Every year there's a diamond. The worse they are, the more schar we get for trying to bring them back. And they come back. They come back. Most kids come back. And if we can be selfish, we go ahead and we do the things that help them come back quicker. Statistically, factually, practically, Musr doesn't work. Rejection, looking down, making a joke, making a comment. It's funny and it's normal, but when you have someone who's spiritually in the ICU, it's just not the right place. So what we try to do is, we try to do what's right. We try to follow what Rav Steinman said. We follow, try to follow what Rav Palm said very clearly. What Rav Palm wrote, Mamish Tzedek. It's Mamish so clear. I could show it to you. Clear Hadracha, Rav Steinman, Rav Gershon Edel. We have, Yesh Amilismach, we have what to rely on that we're following the Derech HaTayra that says, Be friendly. Don't look at the exterior. Don't look at, at what, what the person is doing wrong. Don't look at the way the person is not. That's why we get schar. Right? Someone will say, why are you being so nice? Well, because that's what we're here for. We're here to be nice. First of all, there's a mitzvah, Havis Yisrael. And also, we're here to be selfish. I want to be Makar of somebody. Now, that's if you're very frugal. If you're not very from, and you, then, then you don't have to do it to be Makarov. You could just do it because you're a nice person. For some reason, from people, they become not nice. I don't know. I still haven't figured out why. That the yeshivish people, they can't do it just to be nice. They have to prove to them that that's what Rav Steinman said. But you could just be a nice person. Someone's struggling. At this point, we have a person that I call a chayla. She can't get married. At this point, it's not going not gonna to be able to be stable, have a, a normal life, and just be nice. Why, why is this so hard? For the siblings, yeah, it is hard. It's challenging to be nice, especially us people here from Brooklyn or from Queens. Queens nicer than Brooklyn. Make believe for this girl that you grew up in the Midwest, just be nice. People out of towners are just nice people. Yeah, not everybody. Okay, but just be, just relax, just be nice, be makarov, smile, do what works. I'm also from Brooklyn, well, Forest Hills originally. <laughs> you could tell. You could tell I wasn't raised. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyway, so just be nice. Whether you want to do it L'Shem Shemayim, you want to do it L'Shem Aretz, just be nice. Now, for the siblings, there's a lot at stake here for you. When you have parents, you know, I, I, I work with, I have over, by now, over 2,200 siblings. Right? And we have groups for the siblings that you should meet other girls. We have a girls group and a boys group. You'll meet other kids just like you, families just like you, from all walks of life. And you get, to, you, know, you get to be inspired and you realize you're not alone. There's a lot of kids who are in your situation. And I get to meet a lot of kids. And we're usually here because there's a, they're, they're a sibling of someone who's struggling or rebellious, right? And some of the from kids who we get, I think, are much more off the derech. I, I get this all the time. Well, you could have like a from a from guy, usually a bacher. Okay, sorry, you're a bacher. It could be a girl. I had a girl here also. Ferris. It could be, and because they're very from, right, or whatever reason, their parents are saying, "This is what we want to do for our daughter. Could you please support us?" And they won't support them. I'm not accusing anybody. That they will like the parents will say, "This is what we want to do. Can you support us?" We want to love our child. We want to do this mahalach on our child. Can you support us? Can you be there for us? And some of these guys, no. I'm like, kabed es avicha ve'esimecha. It's like, that's more than all the other stuff. So as siblings here, I want to tell you a big secret. And, and it gave me an insight to Hashem. Parents hate when their kids fight. And a deep, 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 deep pain. Deep, deep, deep pain. But you know what makes parents mamish feel good? If you want to be mechabedem, or you want to just want to be nice, you want to give them, when they see their kids who are happy and successful, be nice to their other kid who's not. It just makes them feel so good inside. There's very little that you'll ever do for your parents in your whole life, more than being nice to your sibling who's in pain. I call them kips, kids in pain. And the truth is, after I saw this black and white, I see how parents feel mamish so, so just... They come in here, some parents are crying. It's like, oh, so my, my sister told my other daughter, you look like a whatever, and you know, you're embarrassing the family. I see the pain of the parents. Okay. Hmm? That's exactly the point. It's an image thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm almost done, and then you'll comment. You have good stuff. And, um, you know, of course, it's very, very hard for them. And that's why we give a lot of support to the siblings and how to... We give support to the siblings on how to do that. Some of them get teased. Some of them have to worry that their friends are going to say stuff and their friends don't come over to the house. It's not easy. But try very, very, very hard to give your parents nachas, to make your parents proud of you, and tell them one thing. Ma, ta, you did your research. This is what you want to do. I support you 100%. Kids don't realize that parents, we were also once kids. We just, we got older. That's all. Parents are kids too. They need love, they need support, they need a lot of support from their siblings, that's why you're here. And for the, the grandparents, it's a big tsar for grandparents to see tr- trouble in Enikluch. It's very, very, very painful. But the ones who are in the most pain really are mommy and daddy. No, nothing comes close to it. And they need the grandparents to give them hugs and to give their children hugs and to say, I'm proud of you. Twisted parenting, my mahalach, is the hardest mahalach in the world. Because the easiest mahalach is to use all your bad midos. Yell, scream, say whatever you want. Don't train yourself. Don't look at things in a different way. Do whatever's quick, whatever's easy. And that's always wrong. Twisted parenting is about building a relationship with this person when they're struggling, when they're without expectations, without trying to change them, 
without giving them Musr, but really becoming super loving people and accepting people the way that we were all really supposed to be, the way that tzaddikim were. When we go to tzaddikim, we go to Reb Chaim Kanievsky, he doesn't throw you out. He, he, the tzaddikim always were makar people. We're less than them. So many stories. I'm putting together a book of hundreds of stories. You pick the gadol, Hasidish, Litvish, Temani, Svaradi. The gadol always was Makarov. Always was Makarov. I just saw today, I read a story of the Satman Rebbe. They came to him, they wanted to throw a boy out of Yeshiva. And it was, it was his early years. He said, my father gave me a tzava. He said, I should please try never to throw a boy out of Yeshiva. And I'm here with a black beard and I should already be over. They said, yeah, but what are we supposed to do? He said, I'm not throwing him out. They came back a couple of months later. They said, the boy is just, can't, we can't take him anymore. He said the same thing. He said, my father asked me not to do it. He said, he didn't answer me, but he asked me not to. I'm going to already start at such a young age. I'm going to already start throwing a boy. Don't throw the boy out. What's the end of the story? This guy who writes the story in Siach Sakanim, I could show it to you. I have it here. It's 30 years later, 40 years later, he's by the Satma Rebbe and he's waiting outside. And they, there's somebody inside for a half hour. Nobody was, you know, half hour at the Satma Rebbe. He opens the door to go in. When the guy leaves, who is it? It was that Bachar. He's a Rav. He went in. The Satma Rebbe remembered this guy was the, the, the person who wanted to throw him out. It was from the Yeshiva. The whole Yeshiva wanted him out. And he said, Ah, oh, you see what happens if you're patient? He said, Roof. He remembered the whole story. He remembered who he was. He said, Patience. There's another story that there was a, somebody of Moshe Naishlos, and he had a yeshiva for 40 bachram. 38 of them were steiging, learning of Alec. Two of them were Machal Shabbos. Two of them Machal Shabbos in a yeshiva. He went to the Satmar Rebbe, Divriyel, biggest kanoi in the world, right? Everybody knows the Divriyel was the biggest kanoi, Sharf. And, and they told him, listen, we have 38 boys who are steiging, and we have two boys, Machal Shabbos, who want to throw them out. It's interesting that they used to ask. I don't know if people ask anymore. They asked. And he said, how were the 38 boys? They said, what do you mean? They're great. They're steiging, they're learning, they're erluch, they're fantastic. He said again, they're really stark, they're frum, they're good, they're not shaky. He said, yeah, they're frum, they're erluch, they're learning, they're steiging, great kids. He said, okay. So throw them out and keep these two boys in the yeshiva. That's what he said. So he said, what are you talking about? He said, these two boys, if you get rid of them now, you're going to lose Doris. They're not going to make it back. These 38, they'll find another yeshiva, or they'll go to work, they'll make it. Gedolim looked at it that there's no such thing that we'll lose one kid. So what? There's no such thing. And it's the same thing from, I, I so many stories from all over. We don't lose people. It's like the family's on a boat, everyone's having a good time, and Nebuch, this kid, fell overboard. So what do you do? You say, listen, we're not going to ruin the whole day in the sun, on the beach, on the boat. Come on, so sure, whatever. We have the... No. You stop the boat. You turn around. The fun's over. Right now we have a crisis. We have a kid in the water. Now how are you going to connect to the kid in the water? How are you going to save? You're going to save her by creating a rope. And the rope is love and connection. And you're going to be busy with her. And you're going to tchotchke with her. And you're going to boost the self-esteem because her self-esteem is broken. That's what's causing this whole mess. And you're going to boost her and you're going to do a treatment on her. A treatment. Not just regular. A treatment process to save her life. Her life. And then you'll see good things are going to happen in the Ruchnius also. Right? I like everybody to be happy. If you want to see her happy, she'll be happy. You want to see her from? You should see that also. It doesn't matter to me. It's the same mahalach. It's the same process anyway.
We can't continue to have kids who are miserable and feel horrible and are struggling and we're all just busy moving on with our lives and busy with our lives. We can't be. And the truth is, when it comes to physical illness, nobody gets this better than Yiddish, Yiddish people. If Chas Shalom she would be in a hospital in NYU for two years, three years, nobody would not visit her. Everybody would go and you'd sit there on a chair and you'd eat the Bika Chaylam food. It's actually Satmar Bika Chaylam food is pretty good. I wouldn't want to eat it too many days, but the applesauce is great, the chicken. Ah, sometimes I go visit people just for the food. I don't even know who the people are. You find somebody who's like very, very sick, so you can just take their, they don't even know. So we would give up for her. We would come with gifts. Nobody would say, don't give gifts. She's going to be spoiled. After she gets healthy, why should she be good? If she's used to lying there and getting gifts, it becomes very clear. Reb Shem Shem said, Oh, that's nice. Excellent. Is it hot food? Because then we'll, we'll take a break. I don't want it to get cold. No, I ate already. I didn't know that there was being food. I was all on my own, stuck in Brooklyn with no food. They could have made like a TV show out of it. Fortunately, I bumped into a falafel store. <laughs> okay, so if it's hot, give me two. Let's pizza. That's pizza. So bring it. Bring it. We'll eat it. We'll eat it next door. And we'll eat it over there, if you don't mind. Yeah. Okay. And then we're almost done. We'll have to talk very quick, because yeah. I can't fight pizza. Okay. Well, thank so, you. Right. Huh? No, thank you so much. Very nice of you. Is it from Queens? No. no. If it was from Queens, I, I just had Shimon's pizza. I, I drive sometimes special to Queens, just to go to Shimon's. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not. Anyway, so... Um, so, Shim Shimpinka says... That the same way that we treat physically ill people, we have to treat spiritually ill people, emotionally ill people, spoil, spoil. Straight up, straight up. Don't make cheshbonis. She's going to think this, she's going to think that. They asked the Baal Shem Tov. Somebody went to the Baal Shem Tov. You heard of him? Oh, that's great. Oh, can I steal that? Yes. Oh, very good. Okay. The best of the best. Very nice. <laughs> he was the best. So, um, they went to the Baal Shem Tev and it says, Adam Kasher, Shiyatza Banav Letarbas Reisul Lekvira. Good guy. Banav, it sounds like more than one, went off the derech. Even Kvira, atheism. So you think like, what could you do about that? Atheist means they don't believe in Hashem. So that means there's no Yom Kippur, there's no Kasher. So you're eating pig, cheeseburger, on Yom Kippur, right? That's, that's really far gone. What do you think the Baal Shem Tov told him to do? The Baal Shem Tov knew every school in the world. He could have said, you know what you should do? You should write the kids' names on parchment. And then Mommy, by, by Hadlakas Neir, she should cry, and her tears should go into the parchment. And then you should take that mix, and you should put that into the Hanukkah left oil, and then you should light the Hanukkah left oil. And then whatever's left, you make latkes with that oil. You eat the latkes, you make sure the kid eats the latkes, boom, she's going to come from. You know, every school in the world. He came up with one thing. Love them more. Because of that, they will get out of Kfira. So that's, it's, it's funny because how, if I love you while you're doing the wrong thing, people ask, so then why would you ever do the right thing? But that's not the way it works. If I give you Tylenol when you have fever, the fever goes away. When the fever goes away, you act normal. The Tylenol, the medicine for spiritual, and I will tell you, emotional problems, is love. And when the person is given 
the medicine and they feel better, then they, get, then they want to be from just like you want to be from. They want to be like us and they want to be like the family and they're, they're very happy for the support to be a continuation of the Shashal Sakhaydish. And it's interesting that they went to the Chazanish. Nobody's arguing the Chazanish. And they asked the Chazanish the same question. What should the Yachas be? And this is the big question in Klal Yisrael. And everybody is blacked out. What should the Yachas, the relationship be between parents and their children who go off the derech? And if, if this is what he's telling parents, it's, it means grandparents, it means aunts, uncles, brothers. There's no different uh, equation over here. What should the relationship be? He could have said anything. He could have said, make sure in your house they behave. Make sure they don't ruin the other kids. He could have said, you have to just sneeze in the house. Or, you know what he said? Try to pull them in with ropes of love. And then he said, don't reject them, God forbid. Don't make them feel rejected. And let me tell you, they're both very hard. Even in regular love, we don't have so much love that it can pull somebody. Pulling somebody with ropes that are not physical ropes, but ropes of love, that's not regular love. That's Disney World. That's crazy love. That's creating the love on such a level that you can actually change somebody's mindset and pull them into you so they're part of your family. He didn't say reject them. He didn't want this whole mahalach of, if you don't look like me, I should make you feel uncomfortable. It was never part of Yiddishkeit. It never existed. It's man-made. Why do we make it? Because we're human, and it's comfortable that everybody should be exactly a clone, but it's never part of Yiddishkeit. Chazanish didn't say that. Chazanish said, try to pull them in with ropes of love, which is not easy to do. A lot of people don't do ropes of love on, on themselves and on their ones that they really like. You've got to learn how to do it. But then he said, Don't reject them, chas v'shalom. If you reject them, you're over a psak, beferish a psak of the chazanish. And that's serious. That's really serious. And a lot of people reject people, and then afterwards, if you say, why did you say that? Look, she ran away crying. She's, I didn't say anything. It doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's about the feelings of the person. Because rejection, as I say, rejection is in the heart of the beholder. If the person feels 1% rejection, you did that. And sometimes people are so sensitive that they know that they're acting weird or different. And they're, you know, they do something and, and you can just give a look and they feel hurt. You, can ju- you, have, to, you have to really be careful. And you're going to say, it's not fair. But you know what? If you go back to the example, you go into the hospital when, when someone's there, you've got to be careful. You can't just swing around. You know, you can't just do it. You might pull out an IV. You know how many people I killed just trying to plug my phone into the wall? I didn't realize the respirator plug was there. I needed a charge. You know, but no, you can't just pull things out of the wall. Over here, we have to live in a different massive, and it's not just for this child, it's for everybody. We need, we need to buckle down and we need to get back to the basics. We need to really work on our Havas Yisrael. We need to really stop judging people. You know, it says, don't judge a person until you walk a mile in their shoes. And then, why would you judge them? You're a mile away and you have their shoes. Just keep walking. <laughs> the whole judgment, the whole, you have to be this way and you have to be that way. And if not, I look down at you. And how could you? And why would you? Every person has to know that you have to work on yourself. And the only thing that you should have with somebody else is to boost them. And you boost them only by one thing. Aaron Hakain. Aaron Hakain was chosen 
to be the Kayin Gadol for one reason. Because he was as holy as Moshe Rabbeinu? No. No. He had one mile. He was Oyev Shalom, Veraydev Shalom. That's why it says, the Zayar HaKadosh says, he was chosen, Brisi Haisa Itai, because he had one thing. You see, a lot of people, the holier they get, they start looking down at people. Aaron HaKadosh was the holiest. He was like Shakul Kamaisha, but his thing was Oyev Shalom, Veraydev Shalom. Oyev is Habriyais. Says the Tanya, they weren't even called people. They weren't even acting like a mensch. They were called like animals. Ayavis Abrius. Don't say Ayavis Adam. Ayavis Yehudi. He loved people even if they were grub behemoths. They were acting like lowlifes. He loved them. Umakarvan Latira. So Aaron Akain was able to, and all the tzaddikim, all the tzaddikim were able to look at Balayavera and people all messed up with love, and we think we're so from that we can't do it. No. We have to realize this is a chance, an opportunity for us, and a responsibility. I just want to end with a very simple thought. We know that the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. Sinas Chinam, what do you know what that means? What does it mean? They didn't eat pizza matzah Shabbos. <laughs> Sinas Chinam means, anybody know? Do you know? They weren't being nice to each other. And we can have the nicest Esroigim and the best Sitzis, the most Muhudr, Bancraft hats, and we ain't getting out of here until we're Masakin Sinas Chinam. What's the opposite of Sinas Chinam? Anybody know? Havas Chinam. Sayyidi knows. Sayyidi knows it. Sayyidi, you remember that? Sayyidi knows. Havas Chinam. So I think that, to me, it's so clear. We've gone through so much as, as a Klal Yisrael, you know, from Holocaust and so many stuff. And we rebuilt Baruch Hashem in America. Nobody imagined what would happen. I mean, it's just unbelievable. How did it happen in a few decades? You know, where Baron Cutler started, uh, somebody should learn a coil. They would, he would have been happy with 1%. Now he would be saying, whoa, whoa, this is not what I meant. I didn't mean everybody. It's like, whoa, he has such success over there. It's like, every if you don't learn, if you're in Shaduchim, if you're not going to learn 10 years, you're a guy. <laughs> By us in Philly, you learn one year, and you're a biggest tzaddik now. You're not a 10-year learner. Ten, you know what it means to learn for a year? It's like and to support yourself. I mean, to be supported and not support yourself. Today, it's like a total insult. I mean, you'll learn. You have to learn how to do this. How old are you? 18. 18. So in a couple of years, you're going to have to pick up a girl in, in, in her house, and you're going to have to straighten out your shver. He's going to ask you, do you have a plan? You say, yeah, I plan on you supporting me forever. That you have to get that straight right away in that first date. And he, yeah, he's going to say, he's going to say, no, you have to work. You tell him, what kind of a boy do you think I am? I will never support my wife. Yeah, you got to get that clear. Anyway, um, Baruch Hashem, the Yiddish guide is doing very, very well. Okay? But what's not doing well, maybe perhaps we could say, is that we've lost the, the, the idea of just Havas Yisrael and, and loving people. And I think before Mashiach comes, maybe this is our ticket out to really focus on being Mesakein, the Chait of Sinas Chinam, with Havas Chinam. You don't look like me, you don't smell like me, you know, I, I, it's embarrassing, it's this, it's that. I love you because you're my brother. I love you because you're my sister, because you're my cousin, because you're my relative. I love you because you're a Yid. Period. There's a story by the famous Shlomo Karlina, big tzaddik at Ruch HaKadosh. He was talking to a, a guy who came to him and he was being nice to him and being care of him. And everybody knew that this guy was the biggest low-life 
sinner in the whole place, the whole city. And Reb Uri Mistrelisk, who would eventually become the famous Saraf Mistrelisk, very big tzaddik, he was there waiting, and he sees how his Rebbe, Reb Shlema Karlina, is tchotchking with this guy, and he was going crazy. He couldn't take it. Shlema Karlina called him over. He said, go wait in the Bismedrish. I'll send for you when I'm ready. So he's leaving, and he's probably thinking what I would think is like, me? Why are you punishing me? Why do I have to leave? I'm the good kid. After about a half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it was, he sends him to come back. He says, I saw what was going on over here, and I saw that your Ahavas Yisrael is limited, and I wanted to teach you that Ahavas Yisrael means every Yid, unlimited. We all have a place that we, we can't do 100%. We do 50%, 60%, maybe 70%. But we have a limitation. The tzaddikim said, there's no limitation. Ahavas Yisrael means if you're a Jew, I love you. I'm, I'm going to give up for you. I'll be embarrassed for you. I'll be there for you. I'll be supportive of you. That's what it really is. And in, as family members, Rav Shmuel Kamenetsky told me, my Rosh Hashiva told me that it's a, it's a Pashta thing. It says, Mipsarcha al-Tasalam. There's a lav in the Torah to ignore when you have a family member who's in trouble, in any kind of trouble. So imagine if, if somebody has a, a family member who's poor and you don't collect money for them or, or give them money. It's a lav. You could say, I didn't do something good. No, you get punished. You get a lav in the Torah. That's bad. If someone's in the hospital and you don't go visit them, so what? I didn't go visit her. I'm busy. A lav. Mipsarcha al-tasalam. So Rav Shmuel told me the same thing with this emotional pain, psychological pain, spiritual pain. You have a chiv as family members not to move on with your life and ignore this family member. This is a piece of your family, and Hashem does everything the Zerah Kaddish says. There's a reason why you're a brother, you're a sister. It's put down from Hashem, and forget about her. There's something that you have to be masakin. There's a reason why the Zayda has to be here, and Babi has to be here. Every person is a piece of the puzzle. There's a reason, there's some kind of a tikkun for your neshama that if you ignore, you're going to ignore your own calling, your own neshama, your own needs. So we have to look at this really serious. And we have to say to ourselves, we have a crisis. And what are we going to do? Well, we don't know what to do. So at least we're going to follow these parents here. They pick the hardest mahalach. TP is all about tremendous embracing and love. It's the most expensive mahalach, although it's not, because I think you save a lot of money in the, in the long term. But it costs money and time and effort and energy. We're going to try to create super bonds of love, much more than that's normal. We're going to spoil her because she needs it. We're going to boost her self-esteem to make her healthy and healthier and healthier and healthier. And you shouldn't be jealous. You're going to say, whoa, they're spending all the money on her. Where's my Yerusha going to be? <laughs> Don't worry about your Yerusha. Right? You can say, how come she gets this and she gets that? What about me? Everybody has, everybody's going to get what they need to have. She has different needs, unfortunately. You know, High Lifeline takes the sick children to Disney World. So you're going to say, I'm jealous. You're jealous of Disney World, but you're not jealous of the pain that these kids are in, right? Okay? So that's the same thing over here. You're going to see things happen that your parents are going to do. They're going to be like, whoa, that's interesting. Okay? Sit back and watch and become very wise. Because one day you're going to see these tools and you're going to say, I learned something over here. It's not going to make sense to you in the beginning. It may not make any sense. 
But you'll learn and you're going to see something. You're going to see how we can save lives with super love. It's a very powerful weapon. If we access it correctly, and we really access it, you know who gains the most? We do. We'll hopefully save her also, but we will save the most. So I want everybody to start thinking about, in your mind, from 1 to 100, what's your relationship? 100 being the best. You don't have to say it out loud. What's your relationship? What's your connection? How busy are you with her? What's, what's your connection? A lot of siblings, you lose a connection because sibling rivalry. That's fine. Sibling rivalry is fine in healthy times, but not if somebody's sick. So what's your connection? Just think to yourself. What I want you to do over the next year is find a way to move your connection up towards 100. Because if everybody in this room is busy and builds it, to build it, it could be with an apology, if you have someone to apologize, maybe a gift, maybe just passing by the house more often. Bobby's here. Where's Bobby? Bobby? You make, you make, um, you make Bobby cookies? <laughs> Do you make sugar cookies? So he, I think I found the problem. <laughs> Take her out. To a zucchini place, cafe or something like that, and give her like a life supply of zucchini muffins. Try, try, yeah, try the star cookies with the sugar on top. That's a that's like a Bobby special. Don't start doing this healthy stuff. Anyway, so everybody, just think about what you can do to make her feel special, like she's the most special person in the world. The Chassam Seifer says that we find something crazy that Yaakov Avinu. He gave the Xenus Passan. He gave the, the, fun, the, co- the coat, the multicolored coat, Joseph and the Technicolor dream coat. I, I quote everybody. <laughs> Sub Cipher, Broadway, whatever it is. He gave the coat, what? He gave a coat to, to, to Yosef, and he caused tremendous jealousy. So he says, Yaakov was a Machanach. I mean, you have 12 kids, you better be a Machanach, right? You know that. You have 12 kids? So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's why actually Y.Y. Jacobson, Rabbi Y.Y., you heard that shtickle? He said that's why Yaakov created Mariv. Otherwise he's going to have to help out with the kids, bedtime, with 12 kids. Chayas, Naftali's running all around and all of these kids are fighting. i got to go to Mariv. So he created Mariv to get out of the house. Huh? But the shifters would have been good, but they had their own kids, so they made a bigger mess. So he asked the question. He was a Mechanach. He didn't know that it's going to cause tremendous jealousy? All the jealousy came because he gave him the coat. Says the Chassam Seifer, that Yaakov Avinu saw that this kid is not like all my other kids. This kid is going to be in a dark place. This kid is going to be in danger. This kid is going to have to deal with challenges that none of my other kids are going to have to deal with. And I better make sure that this kid knows that Tati loves you more than anybody in the whole world. He took the chance on the jealousy because this kid needed the coat. Today we have a lot of kids that need a lot of coats. We got to make a lot of a lot of technicolor dream coats. You see, well, counterproductive. What? Counterproductive. What was? Because exactly that coat that he gave him was actually what's Santamenda. Was? Thing that Santamenda. That's Chassam Seifer knew that. Chassam Seifer is saying it was productive, not counterproductive. No, I'm saying. Chassam Seifer yeah, knew that. Okay, from in retrospect. Chassam knew that somehow. Right, that's the kasha. Oh, like okay. he triggered the whole thing. Says Ixam Seifer, it's true. The storyline was that that caused all the problems. He says he knew he was going to end up where he was going to end up. He didn't know how, I guess. You know? But he knew he needed to have this coat. So you're going to be buying coats and skirts and mini skirts, whatever it's going to be that you're going to have to buy. That this kid, a lot of uh, Technicolor, 
dream skirts and stuff that this kid should know. Wherever you go, you should know. Tati loves you more than anybody. Mommy loves you more than anybody. And it seems very counterproductive. Why would we support things that we don't like? And the answer is because I've proven that it works. The other way does not work. And this way does work. Of course, with Siata Deshmaya, of course, we have to daven and give tzedakah and cry and not feel it's not in front of her. We have to cry and we have to daven. And brothers and sisters have a very big kayachat fila. You say, Hashem, look what my parents are doing. They're being doing the hardest thing, embracing her. It's so hard to do. Much easier to say, get out of the house or not in my house and all the rules and everything. Look what they're doing. They're just using the tool of love because the Valshemtiv said love, because the Chazanish said, and all of this other stuff that gets in the way all comes from the Gayim. It's so interesting. It infiltrated Mamish into Klal Yisrael's mindset. Where does it come from? Valshemtiv didn't say, tell him in the house you have to wear yarmulke. She has to be Tzniyas in the house. That's not the medicine. The medicine is the medicine is to make sure that they feel tremendous, tremendous ava and that they don't feel rejected. And today, what changed is that the dar is so sensitive that we can't afford to do anything differently because you won't get the job done. You cannot get done like our parents do. You cannot get if you put down rules and consequences and boundaries, it will not work. So then at that point, what do you, what do you give up? The rules and the consequences and the boundaries and the musr? Or do you give up the chazanish? I would hold on to the chazanish. That is the actual medicine. The medicine for this machla is love. And anything that gets in the way of the respirator is puzzle and is treif and is asur and is tome and shouldn't be done clean, pure respirator. And imagine if we can do that. Imagine if we can just wipe away all of our judgment and not judge because whatever, all of these kids, they have a story. They have a story. Don't judge. And the truth is, that's our Torah. Our Torah is, our Torah is, What happened to that? We're, we're criticizing them for not being from, What happened to that? That's a lifestyle that the Sfasama says, very interesting. It should say, Have a done, judge, kol adam, lekavskos, every person. Why does it say, Have a done, es kol ha adam? Says the Sfasama, you shouldn't judge anybody. But if you're going to judge somebody, Have a done, es kol ha adam, judge the gansamech. From when they were born, with all the tchunas and nefesh, with everything that happened to them, and if you judge kol ha adam, the whole person, you'll see it'll be lekavskos. They're not so bad. We're not so good. We're not so different than them. Everybody struggles. They struggle more. They might be more putter than us. They might be more earnest than us. They might be more chayla than us. Don't judge. And once we can just take out of our eyes all this extra stuff that gets in the way and we can purify our own hearts, our own beings, just to look at a yid and smile and stop thinking. I always say, close your, close your mind and open your heart. Just stop thinking so much. What if I this and how can I this and if I say this and that? Forget about it. It doesn't work. It never saved anybody. Just embrace. Just embrace. And a lot of times the kids get worse before they get better. We understand that also. But ultimately, we want to be able to have a healthy person who wants to live like us. And that can only come from tremendous, tremendous acceptance. It's not Kirov, come let's learn. It's acceptance. I accept you. I'm not rejecting you. You feel the most comfortable around me. 
on the street, everybody wants to feel comfortable with these kids. We want them to feel most comfortable over the next year or two. They should feel the most comfortable around us. Not that around you I feel so different, and I walk into a simcha and everybody looks at me. No. Chas v'shalem. Who cares about the external? Some of the sweetest, nicest, most chashava people I ever met on the outside didn't dress like me in a white shirt. Right? It's just not, that's, it's, it's okay. If you like it, that's fine. It's a beautiful way to live. No problem. But it doesn't define what a person is and who a person is. And we really have to grow up because it used to not be like that. 40, 50 years ago, something happened. We lost like 30 years where we all became like, I don't know what it is. But when we grew up, there was a white hat. There was, remember a white hat? Straw hat. Did you have a white hat? You didn't have a white hat. What? You had a white hat? No. Straw hat. A guy gummer. No wonder. Zay, look at Zay. They are goya, shagets, a low light. Oh, oh, we're not even going to go there. That's just, you're setting me up. That's, okay. A straw hat? Try that today. You come, everyone, look at you. It's mamish against the tyra. It's mamish, you have to wear a black hat. Unless you're one of the Gadoyle Adar of 1920, they were all wearing white. That's okay. But now white? Very, very bad. You've got to keep up with the times. It's usher, according to Hashem's Torah, to wear a white hat today. It was mutter and, and encouraged in 1920, 1930. Today, it's very, very bad. We got really mixed up with the chitzah. And I like chitzah And if you can live in the chitzah sticker world, it's very good. But if somebody can't, drop it. We have to become loving people, and we have to become kirov-oriented. What brings people back? Love. Acceptance. That's it. Camaraderie, fun. I'm very big into fun. We're going to have a lot of fun. Now, I just want to bring out one more point. How old are you? 11 and a half years old. So sometimes people think that they struggle with certain kids because the chinuch wasn't good. That maybe these two tzaddikim over here, somehow they didn't do good chinuch. So can I just use you as a test, right? Okay. I just want to see if they did good chinuch, okay? All right. Now. Um, when you when you take off dirty clothes and you want to throw it somewhere, do you throw it on the floor? Where do you throw it? On the floor. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, on the floor or in the laundry basket? What would you say? On the floor. Excellent. Okay. Now, how do your parents feel about eating kosher? Are they pro-kosher or they don't like kosher? They do like kosher. Excellent. Good chenach here. Quick round of applause for the parents. Excellent. Good chenach. Kosher is good. Excellent. How about tznius? Do they like tznius? Does your mommy like tznius? Yeah? You sure? Maybe a little sometimes she doesn't dress tznius? She always dresses tznius? Okay. Good good chenach. Let's have a round of applause. Okay. Any other questions? You see, the chenach is not the problem here. Okay? These kids who are struggling when they're older, they knew everything. They know everything. It's not about knowledge. Something happens. I have to say one of my top thousand Nesiva Shalom's that I love. They couldn't drink the water in Mara because the water was bitter. It says the Nesiva Shalom, Kimarim Haim is not the water. There was nothing wrong with the water. Kimarim Haim, the people were bitter. They couldn't drink the water over there because Kimarim Haim, because they were bitter. If somebody has a bitter taste in their mouth, for whatever reason. A lot of different reasons why people get a bitter taste to Yiddishkeit. At that point, it tastes bitter. There's nothing wrong with Taira. There's nothing wrong with Archinach. There's nothing wrong with anything. They have to get healthy. Until they think that Taira is sweet, don't feed them it. 
It's just going to prolong and prolong and prolong. Don't say, come, let's try something. If it tastes bitter, you've got to make the person healthy first. What makes somebody healthy is love and acceptance. They shouldn't be judged. We have no right to judge. We shouldn't be judging anyway. I'll end with one last thing. After Shimon Ba'echai became in the highest level in the world, he came out of a cave. How long was he in the cave for? 12 years. Right? Rabbi Kiva is the 24 guy. Right. Right? So 12, 12 years he comes out. How holy can you be after living 12 years in a cave? I remember I was in Philly, and our Rebbe of Chaim he said, he said, one day, he used to talk about death a lot, and we didn't like that. He said, one day you're going to be a place where there's not going to be good food, and there's not going to be air conditioning. And so one of the Bachram said, I think we're there already. <laughs> Five years in Philly is almost as bad as 12 years in the cave. But he was 12 years mamash in a cave. Comes out, the holiest, the holiest of the holiest of the holiest of the holiest of the holiest. Okay? And what is he doing? He sees people wasting time. Not doing the right thing. They weren't on his level of Yiddishkeit. So what did he do? Fire came out of his eyes and he's burning up stuff. Cool, right? A lot of kanaim, a lot of people, they wish they can do it. They try looking, they're waiting. Hopefully fire can... Mm. Mm, mm. They try, nothing comes out. Rishimech is burning up the world. What would you say? Cool. <laughs> you say, wow, that, I, when I grow up, I want to be like Rishimech. I want to burn up the world. But there's a baskal that comes out and says, hold on. He came here to destroy you, using your Kedusha and your Tzitkos to destroy my world? Back in the cave. So how long is he supposed to go back in the cave for? Baskal didn't say. Rav Shema gets a wake-up call and he says, hold on, I thought I'm so holy, so to speak, right? I'm terrible, because my holiness I'm using to judge other people. He says in Siva Shalom, he paskened on himself. What is the maximum sentence of a Russia, the biggest Russia in Gehenna? The maximum sentence is 12 months. I'm going into that Gehenna for 12 months. So, Metchila Sarfu says the Nesiv Shalom. Metchila Sarfu Esa Oilam Mikdusha Sam. First, they burnt the world from their Kedusha. But then he saw Apgam in that alone. And he said, you know what? I'm using my holiness to look down at Nachayid. There's nobody worse than that. Don't use your holiness to look down at Nachayid. Don't use your health, your happiness, your good things that you have in your life to look at somebody else. Don't use the gifts that Hashem gave you and use that to hurt Nachayid. You have to be very, very careful. Chavetz Chaim wouldn't do it. Rav Pam wouldn't do it. Arat Sadikim wouldn't do it. It's not a way. Story of the Chazanish that somebody came to him and he said that his mother made a shvua. She had a, a girl, a relative, that her parents were killed in the in the riots in the Chevron uh, massacre, and she raised this girl, and she made a shvua. If this girl doesn't marry a from a from guy, I'm not going to the wedding. And now she went ahead and she got engaged to get married to a fryer yid. So the mother said, "What am I supposed to do?" So he asked the Chazanish. The Chazanish said, Ein zed derech. Tzarech le... What's it called? Lahatir es nidra. She has to be matir neder. But he said, Ein zed derech. You know what Ein zed derech means? It's not a way. The whole... Everyone would say, Oh, that's a good idea. You know what's going to stop her? She should know how much you put into her. And I'm, I swear, I'm not going to go to a wedding. He said, Ein zed derech. It's not a way, it's a clean coupled, small-minded way. The Derech is not like that. She had to be matir neder and go to the wedding, even though this girl is Nebuch marrying a friar guy, Machal Shabbos, Notaras HaMeshpacha, who knows what the Chuppah Kedushin was. 
Tzorech lekarev. Period. The tzaddikim knew that. The biggest tzaddikim knew that. Somebody just called me up with a story. He went to Rebbe Yashiv, and he wanted to throw a kid out of the house. There's a few stories already, but Rebbe Yashiv, Paisek Adar, he said, since the whole story with Yishmael and Sarah, nobody throws a kid out of the house, unless Hashem tells you himself, you don't do that. Right? And we understand, Sarah wasn't even the mommy. The Yiddish mother ever threw a kid out of the house in the Torah? Never. She had a housekeeper who had a kid, and she, and she thought it's ruining her kid. Different story. And Avram the Tati refused to do it also, until Hashem said, no, so why was Yishmael different? So they asked the Chazanish. Because they told him, how can you make care of everybody? Look, Avram threw out Yishmael. Hashem said out. Said the Chazanish, Ain At Matan Torah, we all, all there. We are Klal Yisrael. We are Am Yisrael. It's different. You don't learn from before that. But there's another pshat. That when Hashem told Avram Avinu to listen to, to Sarah, he said, why? Ki Avram thought it's his child. You don't throw away a child. Hashem said, I got news for you. Only time it ever happened in history. He is not your biological child. Only Hashem can take it away. You don't throw away your biological children. But I'm telling you that he's not Zerah. So, okay. If he's not my child, and he's making my child Tzaris, okay, and Hashem said, we don't throw away kids Never happened in Klal Yisrael. We're not allowed to do that. We have to be Mekarifer. Also, there's the greatest chance in Mitzvah Hashem that we will see tremendous, tremendous Yiddish Nachas from her. And you'll see at the end of all the Nachas, not just she will grow, but each one of us will grow. Each one of us will realize that we steigt, we were forced to work on ourselves, we were forced to do things that are uncomfortable, and we were better because of it. Just like every challenge, we don't like challenges, I don't like challenges, but if you're forced to do it, step up, Step up to it and be a part of it. When you go ahead and you take a million dollars and you buy a dilapidated house, you'll say, whoa, I just wasted a million dollars. No, 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 no. It's called an investment. You'll work on that dilapidated house. You'll fix it up. You'll put time into it. And eventually you'll rent it out. And you'll see in 20, 30 years, something, that's your retirement. Invest in this neshama. Take your time. Take your time. And invest in this neshama. You'll see it's the best investment you'll ever make. I have to end with one more thing. As we talk about investing in Neshama, so you'll say, whoa, I'm very busy, I'm learning, I'm davening. I have to tell you a story. The Beis Yisrael, the Ger Rebbe, was known to be the most sharfa, chasidish, kanoyish Rebbe in the world. Very from, right? Zaydi was from? From enough? He didn't go to YU, but I'm saying, but he was okay. He was from. Considered from. In Gerdes... Okay, so you're going to like this story. I heard this story, what? I heard this story from Rabbi Ram Shur on the yard side of the Beis Yisrael. So this is a very good source. He went out during davening, and he's before Mincha on Yom Kippur. And he saw a guy, Machal Yom Kippur, a Jewish guy, Machal, not just Shabbos, Machal Yom Kippur. And he wanted to be Makar of him. How are you Makar of somebody? The first thing he used to do, schmooze with somebody. You've got to get to know them. He started schmoozing with him, and he spent the rest of Yom Kippur schmoozing with this Mechalel Yom Kippur. He gave up Mincha and Ni'ila. He gave it up to schmooze with somebody, hoping that he'll create a kesher, hoping that he'll make him from. Basis so made a lot of people from. At the end of his life, he said, this is one Avera, I never, I never regretted doing this sin, that I gave up my Mincha 
and my ni'ila to try to get somebody to become from. And then he added, even though I didn't accomplish anything. He didn't get the account. If I would give up, if I would tell you, come with me, let's go, we're going to go, we make hire of somebody on, by ni'ila on Yom Kippur. You'd be like, I don't know, Nila. I mean, I can't give up my Nila for this, right? But if I could tell you 50 years later, we'll be saying, look at what I did. I gave up my Nila. I made the guy from, and now he has children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. That's a good deal. He said, I didn't regret it, even though I didn't get the guy. He could have told the guy, you know, I'd love to schmooze, but right now I'm a little busy. I have an appointment. Can we talk tonight? Can we talk tomorrow? Why didn't he do it? You know why? Because whatever you think of your avoidus Hashem, this is much higher. This was an upgrade for him, not a downgrade. And I heard the same exact story that someone told me that he heard from, from Rabbi Rucham Ulshin, B'Shem Rabbi Aaron Cutler, 70, 80, 90 years ago, I don't know exactly when, that there was a bachur who was smoking on Shabbos and they wanted to throw him out of yeshiva in Lakewood. So the Askanim wanted to speak to Rabbi Aaron, the Rosh Hashiva, Sar Hatayra, Rabbi Aaron Cutler, and he said, it was around Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur time, he said, don't throw him out yet. Make sure you get him here, Yom Kippur, by Nila. Get him, bring him into Shul. So can you imagine, they're thinking to themselves, we're going to bring in this guy who's Michal Shabbos, to Reb Aaron, by Nila. Can you imagine what's going to happen here? He's probably going to bring him up to the front, rip open the parochis, give a Nila schmooze. Who knows what's going to happen? Make him hold the Sefer Torah. He's Michal Shabbos. He's, this is his chance, Right? They get the guy to come. He sits in the back of the shul. They start Nila. Reb Aaron goes over to the chaz and says, continue without me. Don't wait for me. He went all the way to the back. He sat next to the guy and schmoozed. What's doing? How are you? I heard you're going through a hard time. What's going on? No musr. Nothing about Yiddishkeit. He schmoozed the whole Nila. So after Yom Kippur, the Askanim came over. They said, if you were just going to schmooze with him, Rosh Hashiv explained to us, if you needed to schmooze with him, why couldn't you do it the day before? Why couldn't you do it the day after? We thought you are going to do something you need. Nila, schmoozing? You can schmooze any time. The Baron said, when someone is Machal Shabbos, when someone is OTD, they're Tzibrachan, they're broken. They have a low self-esteem. They don't feel good about themselves. I wanted to fix that. This kid needed me to show him that I care more about him than I care about Nila on Yom Kippur. The Tzadik Hadar, the Godel Hadar, had to give up his Nila to the Cotton Hadar, because then he'll see that I really do care about you. So he specifically schmoozed with him, Dafka and Nila, he gave it up. Nobody would think to do that, because nobody's goal-oriented. The focus is, show this Nishama. I am willing to give up anything for you, because that's what they need. When you feel that boost, really? I have Shavius? I'm worth something? I'm not worthless? I'm not a waste of person? That helps start to rebuild a person. You get the best out of them. They feel better. They get to work on their emotions better, on their psychological problems better, on their psychiatric problems better, and on their spiritual problems. My experience is that none of the kids who go off the derech have any Yiddishkeit issues at all, and it's all other stuff. When we can be there for them and make them healthy, it's the best all around. The Abish is a helpin that we should, um, first of all, this is not our last meeting. I'm available for you anytime. It could be every month, every two months, every three months, before a crisis or before a wedding. Don't wait for things to get shaky. You'll need inspiration again. You can listen to the recording or you can come in again and we can try again. Every person here has an achrayas to this neshama. I can't call her up and say, let's go bowling. You can. You have to create the relationship 
and then use it to have fun. Every minute she's having fun with one of you, she's healthy, she's among healthy thinkers, among healthy people. Gifts and spoil her rotten. Don't think in the box. Don't say, oh, I don't take every Eina called Eretz Yisrael. How can I take her? She is begeder chayla. A chayla that you have the medicine in your pocket. Pump her up and you'll see the other children will be a little bit jealous maybe, but they'll go to learn, they'll understand, but save this soul. And souls today are saved only with love, only with tremendous chiba yisera, only with giving into them and pumping them up, spoil her with gifts. You'll see. The, the kicker of it all, the surprise is, she won't even be spoiled. That I guarantee you. Everyone's worried. They're going to be spoiled. First of all, I don't mind. So there'll be one more spoiled Jew in the world. It's not the end of the world. Let her be from and healthy and happy and spoiled. I can handle it. They're not, they're not spoiled. I've done this hundreds of times. They don't even get spoiled. They appreciate They look back and say, thank you. I was having a really hard time. Life for me was not fun. was not a place I wanted to be. And thank you for being there for me. And they're very, very appreciative. It's the best investment you'll ever make. And when she becomes, you know how to get rich? How do you make a million dollars? You know how? How about a hundred million? I'm going to tell you how. If you're going to buy Google stock, if you, you want to listen up, listen up. You're the rich kid? Okay. You got, you, like, like by Yaakov, everybody has, you're going to be rich? You're, you're Zavul and you want to sit and learn? You're Zahra? You got this worked out? Make checks pay- payable too? Okay. So here's how you become rich. If you're going to buy a stock that's $300 a stock, how much can it go up already? But it's something called a penny stock. You find a company, you buy a billion shares for $5. Okay. And if that company becomes successful, you become a billionaire. People who had stock of, let's say, Apple, you remember everyone spoke about that guy? He sold his shares. If he would have held on to it, okay, that's it. He just had to hold on to it. Okay, she is a winning stock. Right now, unfortunately, it's a penny stock. It's, it's, your, it's your opportunity. Invest in her. You'll see. You're going to have 3% of her. You're going to have 5% of her. You're going to have 10% of her. Everybody's going to be a chaluk of her. And Amir Tzashem, she's going to be healthy. She's going to be happy. And she's going to be erluch and frum and bring you diris. And you're going to have ding, 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 ding. You can sleep in bed. You got people working for you. Schusim all the time. That's retirement, right? Okay, I try once in a while to do it also. See, my kids don't know because this is really before when they were little babies. Have you seen David Brosman? You know him? Sure. The Disco Rebbe. Okay. Historically, the kids don't know because they were still the kids then. Over 40 years ago, Rabbi Grossman came to America to start his organization. He was very close to Pesach Crown, and Pesach Crown was very close to me. And we both decided, since he didn't speak English, he needed English mouthpieces and people to push him, so we both basically pushed him. I became his first executive director, Pesach was his finance keeper, and we, we basically projected him on the scene in America. Now, the fact is, this is a Hasidisha person who came from a generation of Yashamis, or Stramalbek, everything else. But somehow, he was able to make of kids who went off the derech, who were never on the derech. They called him the Diskotek Rebbe because he used to go into a discotheque in Eretz Royal, and his Rebels are not easy to make of. He used to sit on the floor with them, in the discotheque, talk with them, and... He literally was in Karev, thousands upon thousands of thousands of secular Israelis, 
and he was doing incredible phenomena. And uh, he needed, however, financial support to support his phenomena. So, and the fact of the matter is, is that uh, we started going around PRing him, because before there was a full organization for him in America. We helped found that organization. And Baruch Hashem, there were other people who were very impressed with his work. That Tom Zev Wilson was very impressed with him. Rabbi Newberger from Marysville was very impressed with him. So they were helping him with financial help from governmental sources. We were helping him trying to get from the Hamanam in a borough park in the Flatbush and Queens, whatever, so them to understand what this man's doing on an incredible level. My job was was to help him set up parlor meetings and to introduce him to people to, to get. So I used to travel the United States, the kids didn't know because they were too little to understand this. And I used to basically go around setting up parlor meetings. One in particular that still comes back into my mind was in Cleveland with Irving Stone. Irving Stone head of and uh, I got involved with Irving Stone and uh, at that time, there was a very famous person, a photographer called Zelma Studios, remember? He did our wedding. What? He did our wedding, Zelma Studios. Yeah. <laughs> Zelman Studios, he was the first guy who decided to make organizations, vide not videos, they're talking about videos. He used to have... Uh, slideshow? What? Uh, like, no, Slide, slideshow, 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 music and things like that to try to project an organization. So we did is, is we produced an incredible slideshow, and we had the famous uh, person who's about Chulvin Muncy, who used to be on television, one of these, so I forgot his name already, he became about Chuva. Uh, so he was the narrator, had an incredible voice, and we produced something that Stephen 10 Hill. minutes, what? Stephen Hill. So he was the narrator, and we produced a 10 minute little movie with this to project what he does when it comes to his work. Now we basically made him into the Hasidish Mother Teresa of the world, if you understand what I mean. So I used to go around, set up the parlor meetings, and uh, I remember the Cleveland parlor meeting was very special. It was in Irving Stone's own house. We invited the government of the city, and uh, we put on the projection of this on the major screen on his wall, and uh, this, this movie, 10 Minutes, told the story besides everything else we had afterwards. And the people that were so moved, including Irving Stone, Irving then gave me the next day a telephone number of one of the biggest reform philanthropists in, in Cleveland. He says, I want you to go to this guy's office, I'll call up, and I want you to show him this movie. I went to this philanthropist the next morning, and I brought the, it was a 40, 40 kid, I could carry it. Went up to his office, and I said, before I say anything, I want to show you this little movie. In 10 minutes, this guy had his handkerchief out, the tears were pouring down, and he says, just tell me who to write the check to. You don't have to open a word. Now, what am I telling this story for? Because many times I and Rabbi Grossman were on the plane together, crisscrossing the United States. I was still young, I was in my early 20s at that point in time, and I'm going, I was going to the rabbinate, and uh, I'll tell that stuff later on to you privately. And I asked him simply, I want you to tell me a secret. I want to know what you do to have the type of results you accomplish. 
She said to me, it's very simple, he said. There's a mission in Priki of us. The mission you quoted. He says, when I sit down with these boys and girls, they know when way they hear me talk, I'm not coming with a forced agenda. I am sharing my love for them and my concern for them. And I realize that the only thing I expect for them is to understand I'm coming here pure love for the purpose of them trying to benefit from our relationship. If they turn from, or they don't turn from, I'm not forcing them. But we said them here that there's a from yid out there that has an obvious show that's boundless. And he says, that is the secret weapon that I used. And he's been brought in Arizona hundreds of thousands of people. In Kiri and he's probably the going when it comes to what he accomplished in Eretz Israel. I'm saying this because this basically confirms what you heard tonight. The boundless, endless, obvious Israel. This man's gone into, this has gone into Israeli prisons. There isn't any segment of the population he hasn't penetrated by the fact he's gone with unqualified, unrestrictive love. And that is his koach. I mean, the soldiers in Eretz Israel love him. You know, they come to him, kisses them, gives them whatever it is. They know that he doesn't judge them whether they're wearing yarmulke, whether they're wearing yarmulke, tabi yarmulke. He is Mr. Abbas Israel, and that's basically what you heard tonight. You heard basically a description of a modern version of what he does. You don't have a strong Bekisha, but the fact of the matter is that's what Rav Grossman's secret was, and what he's simply telling you is is that it works. And the fact is, Rav Grossman has hundreds of thousands of balachuva that are worked upon. You haven't reached that level yet, but you're going to get there. You'll get there, Mir Tashem. But it's that, that basically speaking, I learned from Rabbi Grossman and all the positions I've had. And uh, you don't know my positions, but if you know my positions, I've never forgot that discussion I had with him. And any success I've had in all the years of the rabbi, the 45 years I've been involved, is because of that discussion. Unlimited, unqualified, obvious Israel does the job, when I have a student in class, as a college professor, teaching was a stir while you teaching in Torah, I'm able to perceive very quickly who's going to be a problem student, who's not, who's coming with an agenda, who's not coming with an agenda. Now the students don't know that. I know that. I'm able to perceive it by the type of questions they ask. The student in the class who I know who's the problem child. I give them more love and concern and more when it comes to answering their questions than ones in the class with the Ga'inim because I know one thing. This is the only chance I have to perhaps change this person's mind, not by arguing with them, but showing them incredible respect and love for them. And I can say over the years, that has been the secret of a tremendous amount of my success. I learned it from my Red Roseman in my early youth. And I've applied it, my success in the rabbi, my success in chinuch, my success in anything I've done, is because that Yisod is the Yisod HaGadol. It's connected to The Vaisa Shal Avi, you know where the Chazanesh got it from. It's the Rambam and Huchas Mamrim, where he talks about the Karayim, how the Karayim of the Karayim. So he says that the Karayim themselves, the kids are not blind. They were brought up, you know that. He says, you want to bring them close? He says, even if they've seen Yiddishkeit and everything else, he can't prejudge them. He says, That's where the Chazanish got that expression from. He borrowed it from the Rambam over there. Don't be judgmental. Don't puzzle them because perhaps they've seen and they rejected. Use ropes of love to bring them close. 
So the Chazanish used that Rambam and paraphrased it, but the fact that Chazanish did it gave it a different dimension over here because of his generation. He also held his man as there without Gile Ashrina. Everybody basically is an Anos, is not as there. And if that's the case, you have to you have to use that methodology. So what he's telling you is 100% correct. There's no question about it. And uh, you found a good mentor tomorrow. I give you I give you compliments. And really, if the thing Menachem, because he and SD pushed us, so. Well, if I ever need an executive director, <laughs> I think you got the job. <laughs> I think I'd rather work for you than for you to work for me. <laughs> so you could have saved me a lot of time. You didn't know I didn't know who I'm sitting next to over here. You could have done the talking. I could have had the pizza. I'm sorry. I think the pizza is cold. But anyway, um, what can I say? That is a and We should prove it to be true once again. It's true. It happens to be that that's the only secret. This is Avi Fishoff, and I can be reached at twistedparenting at AOL.com.